Hey everyone, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Very excited tonight to go quad box. We're going quad box, people. Uh, with Anthony Irwin and Harrison Fagan. Of course, you know Anthony from the uh, Locked On Lakers podcast, which he hosts every goddamn day. Every day. In and of itself, incredibly impressive. Um because that's hard. It's hard to come up with something. To Let me tell you about, about that, David Locke. Every day, that guy is a it, taskmaster. It, it, he is. That guy he, just does not let up. He is. Yeah, I miss a single show, and I get an email the next. I, I, I'm kidding. He does. He does not send me an email. No, the tough. No, part, he shows up at your fucking door, and he's like, "Where's my goddamn podcast?" <laughs> Holding From a Utah. two by four. It's crazy. Even <laughs> during the pandemic, he kicks the door down. He's like, "Forget social distancing. I need my Lakers content." But he's David, wearing a mask. And that's I own this door now. Like, please don't. I have to pay for this when I. <laughs> cost money to replace this thing. No, the tough rose like a handful of single <laughs> that you're like, get yourself a new door and give me a podcast tomorrow. <laughs> of course, editor in chief over there at the uh, Silver Screen and Roll, Harrison Fagan, also joins us in the bottom right hand corner. Um, Jim Jackson Jarmouche will <laughs> Jim Jackson Bullock, not Jim Jackson Jarmouche. <laughs> I was making a Hollywood Squares reference and got really confused. He's going to join us in the center square later. Wasn't worth it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No. Yeah, that one went over my head. I'm not gonna <laughs> no. lie, dude. That one went over my <laughs> no, head. It, you guys don't remember in Hollywood Squares when Jim Jackson, Jim J. Jim Bullock J. Would be in, but his middle nobody, name was Jackson. Nobody ever called him Jim Jackson Bullock. That's why I got confused. I'm like, are you referring? No, to the like, whole thing it went downhill from the I beginning. Thought, okay, is he referring to Jim Jarmusch, the director? Jim, Jim Jackson, Jackson, the basketball, basketball player. player. That's what I was thinking. Or, or Jim J. Bull. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yep. I, Turns I, out I, the answer is none of them. I'm not even sure. You realize um, how high a joke has to go to get over Harrison's head? <laughs> Look, I'm the youngest one here. Like, Hollywood Squares is a very distant memory That's not to what me. he meant, and, Harrison. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Right off Even the top. added inches on top. Like if it, as long as his yeah. head wasn't high enough as it was, he added a couple inches with the fedora. Um, I just I just saw uh, KC eighty eight fifty seven three five five. The two writers who hate Kuzma. You're gonna have to be more specific. Yeah, I was people. gonna say. I feel like that is not specific enough for this four person quad box. Yeah, because. Like we, anyone could accuse any of us of hating Kuzma. I, like if yeah. they were really a Kuzma devotee, like who? Okay. Let's, let's start with some Kuzma hate then as long as, long as they don't <laughs> know which one of us is which. Um, and this is even before we get to what Kyle Kuzma was doing on Twitter today. Um, are there still Kyle Kuzma devotees at this point though? Like who I mean, are it's, those? It's people? all the just asking questions crowd, right? Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> but He's Kuzma, big among the flat earthers. He can still be a twenty-five point a game scorer, right? I mean, okay. just asking questions. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, Not... look, the, the Lakers are certainly hoping that there are some devotees out there because I, whether you like, I mean, whether you still think Kuzma's best years are ahead of him, whether you think there's still a, a level or two he can reach, that sort of thing. His fit on this team and his future on this team is limited just because there's only so high you can go when you arguably play the same position as two of the five best players in the league who happen to be on your team. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think the interesting thing about the Kuzma discourse is that because he is scoring less, he's become universally more like there are more people saying that you're hating on Kuzma or whatever. Like if you point out that he's not efficient and there are like a lot of kind of more fair weather fans or, you know, like that are 
upset and think that he kind of stagnated this year when really like this version of Kuzma that played this year, especially in the bubble, is a better NBA basketball player than the version of Kuzma in his first two seasons. But like because he's not scoring as much, like he's not seen as as valuable and it may have ironically like by fitting in he may have tanked his stock and like what kind of value he could be to the Lakers in a trade of some sort and so like it's this kind of weird like multi-pronged problem that they're dealing with because of this is he a, is he did he did he because you're right Harrison his he showed he was a better basketball player did that did, did <sighs> I don't know about that actually down? well in theory he showed like he showed he's a he will try to play defense. He will pass the ball. A I think bit he more. showed he could be a different basketball player. But I think like, he showed he's an older basketball player. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he showed he was like the defensive improvement that he had this season. You know, particularly in the playoffs, was real, and and I think it helped the Lakers. But it also seemed to come, in some ways, at the expense of his offense. But his offensive numbers this year, whether eye test, analytics, counting stats. They're all like career lows. Like he he regressed offensively. It wasn't good. So I mean, it's it's hard to say if he. I mean, Anthony, what, what do you think in terms of where he's at right now? I think it's tough with Kuzma because so playoff Rondo was this kind of phenomenon, right? That we all marveled at as as it was happening. But every time Kuzma shared the court with Rondo, his his stats went through the basement. Right. And and I think that has a lot to do with the way that Rondo prefers to play. It, he he wants a structured offense. He wants option one and option two and option three. And then and Kuzma prefers to cut to the basket and and do those kinds of things. And I think when you try to ad lib like that and Rondo isn't looking for you, those those techniques, those those moves just kind of go wasted. And when he was, when it wasn't Rondo out there, when he's playing with LeBron, when he's playing with AD and there's space for him to be able to do those things, he looks significantly better. Uh, shocking. I know that, that playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis would make you look better, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I think there was the report earlier that he wants a, what was the a, a, sizable, a, a sizable extension. So do I, David, if you're listening, and, <laughs> I, who and, the, it's, it's my favorite headline ever in sports like this guy would like more money yeah like a I, lot more if you're willing I, to give it to me like same think, <laughs> well and i think like you know for young stars players, they, they're just like us they tend, <laughs> <laughs> they tend to think that like the way to get there is through these counting stats and i think one of the things that was really valuable was jared dudley telling him no you can get sustainable money playing like danny green and just being a really important player who spaces the floor and plays defense and you can get money that extends well beyond your usefulness. And I think Kuzma still wants to see if he can get money the other way, where he has a much higher usage rate, where he goes to a team like New York or some crappy team out there where he can just get as many shots up as he wants and puts all kinds of counting numbers in, in the books and gets paid that way. I just don't think it's very smart. I don't think he's that kind of player. The other dream we all have is to be paid well beyond our usefulness. <laughs> no, my, my big, my... Biggest achieve that on this planet. <laughs> yeah. My, my biggest dream on this planet is to be one of the like the equivalent of one of those guys in the NBA who gets paid to not be around the team. 
<laughs> or just gets paid to go away. Like that's when you've really made it. When you like you got... want to be Lou Aldang is what you're saying. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> that's the who wouldn't want to be well, Lou Aldang? That other is than the Lou American Aldang. dream, honestly. Like yeah. is to get paid that much money and then have them be like, well, actually, if you want to just sit this one out, that's fine. Like, well, uh, how about this? Getting paid that much money, but in installments to go away. Like, we're really going to keep you away. Like, yeah. it's not even just one year. Like, we will make sure you are set for the next two to three years. He was like never their fourth highest paid player last year. He was the fifth highest paid player. Too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like That's th funny every time I say it. Like, that's my, that is my life goal. I mean, look, I mean, I, I think in a perfect world, you would choose to be somebody who'd be like, wow, you know, he's paid a ton, but like, he really went out there and earned it. But in lieu of that, like, if your other option is, <laughs> Like, I do not understand what the hell they were thinking when they gave the Kamenetsky brothers $78 million. <laughs> like, I don't know why, why, but, and like, they're gone now, thank God, but they still have $78 million. Like, that's not a bad deal for us. Okay. Ahmed uh, Yusuf18 says, guys, I got to disagree. I think I'd rather be LeBron. Well, too much yeah. work. Way too much work. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're talking agree. about the four. None of Get us are the here. LeBron of podcasting right here. Like, like, you know. I'm not trying to carry anybody. <laughs> no Anthony's way. like, no, really, I want to get paid a lot of money, then get told, do nothing, just collect the checks. You're this it's this regrettable decision by this company. Just go away, take the money. And, and I he think podcasts the, like it. <laughs> I think trying biggest, to make it happen. The biggest like like turning point in this country is when people decided that being famous was better than being rich. <laughs> like if you could only choose, like oh, I, I I need to be famous. I need people to see me. No, fuck, pay me to go away. That's fine. Yeah, that'd be great. I moved to Texas. I moved away from L.A. And <laughs> <laughs> but like the there was like Chase Daniels, right? Is the is the NFL quarterback who's been a lifetime backup. He's made forty seven million dollars. Oh. I think he's started five games. Sign me up for that. He's gonna be able to jog with his kid, his grandchildren, his great grandchildren. He can <laughs> yeah. run around with them. Forty-seven million. He's gonna be able to Harrison, teach a college so course. Jaded. Like what? He's gonna be able to teach a college course on whatever like his uh, chosen profession is. Like exactly. Yeah. I mean, are we so jaded now, Harrison? Where we look at professional athletes and we say, eh, forty-seven million. It's not. It's like he made that much money. Like I remember looking at Shannon Brown's contract one year and being like. Well, you know, he only makes three million, and it occurred <laughs> no. to me like it takes a normal person forty-five years to make three million dollars. Yeah, and I'm just, I just only made, I just did that. Chase Daniel, I mean, like, we he all actually do it. looked upset that he got into the game the other night. Like, he, <laughs> like, yes. What the hell? He's healthy. He's fine. Just rub some dirt on it. I want to get back. Let's get back to carrying this clipboard. No, I mean, to, to some degree, that's professional sports, right? Like, we all do that with the veterans minimum guys. They're like, oh, he's on a cheap $2 million contract. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, that cheap by NBA player standards, I guess. Yep. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, how much would it cost to make you to get paid to go away, Anthony? Uh, Can we start well, a GoFundMe? We're going to find out. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, we're going to find out by the end of the show, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I, I think, I, you know. Just pay my mortgage. Let me just live my my quiet little life out here. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I wouldn't get death threats on Reddit. That'd be fantastic. That'd be that's that's the ideal thing here. So, so yeah, back to this. Though. Do you guys think there's a chance? 
I mean, the only real trade package the Lakers have to offer is the contract, essentially the contract of Danny Green, you know, Flotsam and Jetsam if people opt in, opt out or whatever, and then Kyle Kuzma. Kuz is the thing that the Lakers have to offer somebody that can swing a trade. And we'll get, you know, we can start talking about some of the names. Like, is that, is Kyle Kuzma enough to get something from someone that you would want? I don't know. I mean, the Spurs are an interesting test case for this in a couple different ways because, I mean, number one, it's like we're talking about Kuzma not really fitting in and kind of having an awkward fit. It's like, uh, okay, but they're going to trade him for a guy who has arguably like a way more awkward fit that is making way more, that is making the type of money that Kyle Kuzma probably wants to make on his sizable contract extension and DeMar DeRozan and like the rumors that they've been connected to over the last uh, like day or so. But mm -hmm. like the Spurs are an interesting team for this because they might be one of the teams that actually does still value Kuzma. Popovich has made like hasn't been shy about how much he enjoyed having him around team USA, how valuable he thought he would have been had he not gotten hurt during last summer's, uh, what was it like world cup or, you know, basketball, international Whatever basketball. Competition. Yeah. Yeah. Of some, of some type. Um, and like the Spurs, like Kuzma going back to his draft, like that came out, his trainer said they were going to draft him. If the Lakers hadn't taken him like Kuz has caught Kuz, Last summer called Pop his favorite coach of all time, which is just like a like hilarious shade at Luke Walton aside. <laughs> like, you know, clearly enjoyed his time for Greg Popovich in the Team USA camp. Like, and right. you know, the Spurs obviously still probably love Danny Green. Like they didn't trade him because they were looking to get rid of him. It was to make the whole Kawhi thing work. And so like that is theoretically a team where you'd say they may value these guys as pieces. What can you get from them? And then you look and it's like, oh, it's DeMar DeRozan. Uh, well, all right. I guess uh, what else can we get? Yeah, I mean, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan is a good player. Yes. And he, he's somebody that could provide some utility for the Lakers that I think they could use. I mean, they this team did not have a lot of guys that can create their own shot. And as much as you know, DeMar DeRozan doesn't space the floor at all and in – in certain ways, he is an anti-analytics player, depending on how much that actually matters to you. And he's not, you know, he is not much help defensively. He's actually an underrated distributor. He's, a, he's actually a much better passer and playmaker than I think people are aware. And he can get his own shot. Like, you know, he can take some lifting off LeBron and, and Anthony Davis just by being able to get stuff without help. So, I mean, I, I could see some value with DeRozan being there, especially it's, it's a one-year deal. So you're basically, just, you're basically just thinking, could his presence elevate you more to try to, get, try to go back-to-back -back than Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma? I mean, like, that's really the question. The concern that I have is that it would be such a, an obvious detachment from the identity that the Lakers had this year that won them the championship, right? Basically... What the Lakers were, were, all right, LeBron, you're in charge of the offense. Uh, Anthony Davis, you're also in charge of some, especially come postseason time, right, where he was creating a lot of shots for himself. You're also in charge of the offense. All of your other role players who are not named LeBron and not named Anthony Davis, you guys are in charge of defense. You guys have to defend your butts off. You have to be, you have yeah. to be able to switch. You have to be physical. You have to rotate out to shooters. And everybody bought in. And there were times where the defense looked legitimately suffocating and that allowed them to get out and transition where they were the most efficient team in the NBA. And like, when I look at DeMar DeRozan, he doesn't space the floor for Anthony. He's going to make the, the, the game more difficult. It. 
yeah, he's going to make it more difficult for Anthony Davis. He's going to make it more difficult for LeBron James when he's on the court with those guys. And on top of that, he's not really going to defend. So you're also not really going to get out in transition. Well, he'll and defend more. He will defend more on this team, like you know, and surrounded by better players, and and so on and so on. He, he was um, in San Antonio, though. Like, I if know, there's a place sure. that's gonna like get you to buy into the culture, it would be it's that. Not even just buy in. It's just it's who's around you. You have better players. Like you know, yeah. you you defend better because Anthony Davis is on your team. You defend better because LeBron, when he's dialed in, is on your team. Um, I, I sometimes I think about DeRozan a little bit, like I think about Kuzma, like. I don't, I am not a Kuz guy. I never have been. I think he works hard. I don't, you know, as much as like, you know, the Twitter shit today and the outfits and whatever. I do think he's very interested in being very good at basketball. Um, he just has a lot of questions too. Like, yes. He just, <laughs> he, he, oh man. You know what? Who among us, Harrison, hasn't just sat back in our mid twenties and asked a lot of questions. Yeah, you know, sometimes I just like when I'm looking for answers to questions on like mask usage and whether or not lockdowns work, my first thing is I just tweet and I'm like, hey guys, like what do you think? And yeah. usually I find that my followers give me the best like sources of information. I'm, I'm just crowdsourcing to a million and a half followers. What do y'all think is shutting down for two to four weeks? <laughs> yeah. But Europe, Europe guys, the, Europe. I respect the audacity of him to just log on and he's like, you know what's going to really get people together is if we just have a discussion on the internet <laughs> with my one and a half million followers. I'm just going to bring everyone in and like we're going to reach a consensus, just all of us. Like, I, I respect the effort and like the idea. What's funny about it is it starts out with the, you know, are you guys all, you know, you guys, the, the whole Twitter gang, are you guys okay with, you know, shut, shutting down for two to four weeks? Then he adds, are, are you okay with shutting down if there's no stimulus? And then he keeps just sort of asking more questions. So it's very clear. Kyle Kuzma has some reservations about the potential <laughs> of a second shutdown. I think, I think that's becoming more clear the more questions that he's asking. This is something that Kuzma seems to be against. And what's interesting about it is there are questions you could ask about that. Like in terms of, do you think economically we, we're going to be okay from another round of this? You know, people in middle or lower middle or lower income brackets, you know, are they potentially going to have jobs to come back to? Like, are, are they going to be able to get through this if there is no, like, the, there are questions that yeah, you nobody, can nobody, ask nobody, in nobody earnest. Nobody thinks this is like, like good, like, like this is a fun idea. But <laughs> what, what you don't do, I think, for something like this, particularly with a million and a half followers, is just float stuff. <laughs> like it's it's not really a great form. What do you guys think of this floating. idea? My, my Did you favorite... guys stick around for the part where he got where he was just asking about tort reform? Because I thought that was <laughs> actually much more compelling and nuanced. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it when he was like, look, guys, I could be like other celebrities and not interact with you. I'm like, actually, in this case, that'd be fantastic. That'd be it's just, great. It, it, it is the kind of, I mean, it is, it, it is the, a, I don't I mean, Jen, whatever, you know, everything has to be on social media. One of those moments that we all go through when, in our twenties, when we think we are way smarter than we actually are. No, it's like, who's going to be fair. He's actually company. a smart guy. I'm not saying he's not smart. I'm Generally speaking, you have, you have to be smart to think you're smarter than you are. He doesn't, I don't think he fully knows what it is in this particular case that he's talking about. And yeah, like the I, I would just like to know like about with, with masking and, and all these other things. He's just asking questions. I just like to know what his point was beyond just asking questions. 
right? Like it, it felt like today, all of the NBA players got their revenue sheet. They got the revenue memo and they were like, oh, that's going to be this what? Hey, it's what like, if oh, we actually gonna... tried out this Golden State thing? What, what like what's going on there? <laughs> they can try that out. They can they can try to get fans in seats. Oh, a lockdown means no fans. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> maybe this yeah. doesn't sound like that good of an idea, guys. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, um, it, it, but just, the point, it wasn't a good idea. But the point, the point that I was going to be making before is. <laughs> In a lot of ways, for me, even as somebody who isn't a, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Kuzma in the sense of like, is he, does he have star potential? I think the answer is no. And I think the problem with trading him is if you trade, the only teams where Kuz can go and really do the things that showcase the scoring, and this is, is on another really bad team, like he was on with the Lakers before. And so by the time you get to a place where the team is good, if you have, if Kuz is your first or second best player, you're you're going to be a terrible team. And then by the third or fourth best player, you run into the same problems that he has here where does he fit with the guys that are better than him? That's my reservation if I'm another team taking him. But like you can overdo that to the point where you start saying that Kyle Kuzma isn't good at, like he's just not good. And DeRozan, who is obviously a better, more established player, I think suffers from a little bit of that where you start, well, he doesn't shoot threes and he did like to the point where you can forget that he is really good. It's just a question of whether or not he'd be really good here. It, yeah, it's a I matter that, of like impact though. Like somebody can mm -hmm. be really talented and not have a positive impact on the basketball around him. That's, that's the concern with DeMar DeRozan. That's followed him his entire career. It feels like almost a higher class version of the Kuzma problem. Like, wh what was Kuzma's biggest issue? It was that, like, he couldn't play the... It wasn't... This wasn't his biggest issue, but one of the issues was that it was hard for him to get minutes because either LeBron or AD, like, were playing the floor, or were playing the four, for, excuse me, for a good amount of the season. And, like, with San Antonio last year, they had to move DeMar to the four, basically, to get enough spacing on the floor to run effective offense. And that was great for him, but I just wonder, like, can he continue that kind of resurgence like if he's not playing in some small like kind of souped up small ball lineup and I don't think that the Lakers are necessarily a fit for that it's not that I like don't think that there's a situation where he can contribute to winning basketball I'm just not sure that it's here yeah I, I with with Kuzma also like I I in terms of what his best potential would be and, and like I said earlier I don't actually think it's with the Lakers just beyond any shortcomings you think he may have as a player or the things that still need working on the things that haven't improved. I just think there, there is a log jam positionally in terms of where he would fit on this team that he's just, he's never going to be better than LeBron or Anthony Davis. So, I mean, there, there's a ceiling for him on this team. What I think would be most interesting would be how does he fit on a championship level or, you know, maybe even a tier below team that's more guard heavy. Like if you put him on Portland, for example, you know, where, Golden where State. they could you, yeah, Golden State, like, where would he fit in somewhere like that? Like, I think that's ultimately the test for, for Kuzma in terms of what his potential actually is for a winning team. Like, he, he needs a roster construction that's basically the exact opposite of this one. Like, in, in fairness to Kuzma, like, it reminds me a little bit of when Jordan Farmar, his first stint with the Lakers during the, uh, the 09 and, and 10 teams that went back-to-back, Jordan was unhappy with his role, and I, I wrote a piece about this and talked with him about it for a while. And as much as I thought Jordan, and again, I wrote this, 
overrated his ability. Well, to once some I'll be right back. You guys and, carry on. And I thought that I think Jordan thought he was better than he actually was. He actually was correct that the, that the triangle did not play to his strengths. And as long as he was on this team, he was only going to develop so much as a player and progress so much as a player just because he really wasn't built for the triangle in the first place. So, uh, you know, I thought that he was both a little bit delusional in terms of how, what he thought he could be with the Lakers, but also correct that he was in the wrong system. So I, I, I think Kuzma probably needs a change of scenery just to actually discover the best version of himself. But it isn't the best. So it kind of goes back to the, and by the way, if you guys had over under 25 minutes for before Harrison and I get one of the Kamenetsky brothers to leave their own show. But, but, I've, but and for, also too, I've heard the farmar story. So I, I, yeah. I, it was a good time for me to get up. Um, no, but yeah, but both like, kids came downstairs. For for Kuzma though, have they heard the farmar story though? I tell him Uncle Andy <laughs> yeah. has a story. <laughs> Kids gather round. Uncle Andy has a story of Jordan Farmar. He's got to tell you guys about Jordan Farmar again. Okay, the tale of Jordan Farmar. <laughs> Andy with that fucking story again. <laughs> oh, they have not heard it, and they would be riveted. <laughs> I guarantee. So it'd be something. What what do you guys think Jordan Farmer's favorite dating app is? <laughs> well, I, I farmers only. Farmers <laughs> only. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you had that one? Oh, I'm gonna get them. Yeah, I, I, I thought <laughs> about it a little. <laughs> Good night, everyone. But, but like, so so to like the Kuzma thing is interesting because, like the the best version of Kuzma, I would actually argue, is on this team. Like, is is actually is actually just as a three and D specialist kind of player. Now he might not think that that's his optimal situation, but, but outside of maybe five guys at his position, for the most part where you're going to be your most efficient, your most effective type player as a small forward is focusing on defense and shooting three pointers. And he could go to another team and he can handle the ball more and he can try to do all kinds of, he's not that kind of player, but he could try it and see, see how it goes. And, and, and frankly, like I wouldn't blame him for trying to do that. Right. Because if you find, if you find out that you actually are that kind of player, there's a lot of money to, to be made that way. I just, I don't think that's the way he is. And I've thought from the beginning of this offseason that if the Lakers were to make a trade to send Kuzma to some other team where he would have a larger role, it's not like he would demand it. I don't think it's going to get there, but like, would he be okay with it? Absolutely. He wants to try test those waters, but I think what he'll find after a few years playing on bad teams, getting up at any number of shots that he wants is that the most sustainable kind of career path for him is going to be a three and D small forward where you can be switchable on defense and, and just help teams win. He's got it's to improve just, the three part, though. Yeah, and right now, I don't think it's fair to call him the even. He's got into the D part of the three and D now. Well, but but the D but the defense though was better this year. It, it was he, much better. He, he showed he flashes, especially yeah. against smaller guards. Yeah. that I didn't think he had in his repertoire at all. I didn't think he had that at all. No, it's no. Just, I mean, to be fair to Kuzma, he really during the playoffs he had some he had some games where his defense was terrific and and better than we'd ever seen before. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it is it is amazing how like on a team like this, so many conversations become about him. And it's because 
you know, the role that he was expected to play coming into the season that we all thought was really necessary. We all, I mean, not maybe not everybody. I think most people thought he'd need to be a third. LeBron said he'd need to be the third best player on the team for them to win a title, you know, going into the bubble. And like the, the reality of what these Lakers were was so different. And the reality of what Kuzma was as a contributing player was so different that it both proved his value and proved how expendable he is at the same time. And I find that fascinating. Mm -hmm. That's how winning basketball sometimes goes though, right? Like, like the, the, the Kings, Dan Levitard uses this example all the time with the Sacramento Kings where they started with the team that almost knocked off the Lakers. And then like Pages Stojakovic was asked to play a bigger role. And, uh, Hito Turkoglu was asked to play a bigger role. And as they filled that role to a certain extent, they were never quite as good as when it was Mike Bibby and it was Chris Rubber and it was Peja and it was Hidu who was just asked to do like the stuff on the peripheries. And like Kuzma, maybe there's a situation here where he expands his role to be able to do a lot of the things that he thinks he can maybe do, but it's not ever going to be on, on as good a team as he just played with. Mm-hmm what do you want it's just it really comes down to what do you want and you know I mean, he's gonna he's gonna make a lot of money anyway but i he is not somebody like how much money does kyle kuzma get if the lakers keep him it's probably a lower number um although i guess with their cap situation i just, I just saw harrison's face and it, it reminded me of the piece that you had written about today referencing uh john hollinger's um estimates for yeah. a bunch of guys uh, extension eligible, including Kuzma. Yeah, I was I was gonna say like, is he going to get a lot of money? Because I, like I know both of your I colleagues... mean a lot of money by what we were talking about before. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, I guess by, I guess by, <laughs> you know, by Shannon Brown made three standard. million bucks, and we were oh. like, first thing, two things happened that year when Shannon Brown got paid. We I, I learned that I officially had become a member of the sports media who had no concept of, of what real money is anymore. Also, I learned that the Lakers were paying attention because they got rid of the carving station that year. And so it was either you paid Shannon Brown or the media got to eat fresh roast beef. And I personally would have kept the roast beef, but nobody asked me. Yeah, someone was somebody like in the budgeting department, like in the marketing department, is like, well, we got to cut costs somewhere, like to afford to keep Shannon Brown around and pay these luxury taxes. Like, well, well no, no more, more roast beef for the, for the media brother. anymore. You know what, though? I, Brian, Brian will attest to this. As cheap as Donald Sterling was as an owner with payroll, he he seemed at times to be uh, putting that money towards media because the, the media dining in the Clippers during those years where the Lakers, you know, were signing guys like Shannon Brown, Clippers media dining smoked with the Lakers. I, I don't see. I don't. I, the, the food was the same. What they had were extra snacks. No, but and they, they had extra. No, but they also. Andy, I remember I think more you're, carving. You're misremembering. Often the food for the Clippers games was worse. But what they did was they had a wider variety of snacks available at halftime, where you had pretzels and chips and the little party you know, mix and all kinds of stuff. See, what you're describing is exactly why, like, Sterling was not spending a ton on you guys. It was just cheaper to please you guys than to please the players. So, like, <laughs> he's like, well, let's see if maybe some people at least write favorable stuff if I give them, like, some extra bags of pretzels or whatever. Um, but, like, take to, much. decent attempt. To the, it would have worked on Anthony, but, like, to the point on... <laughs> Whiskey on there, Kuzma, I'm great. I wouldn't say anything. 
<laughs> uh, to the point on Kuzma, like I, I mean, you're racist. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. He seems like a great guy to me. <laughs> oh, he has pictures over here. <laughs> oh, they have man. an old fashioned station. I didn't realize he was old fashioned. Old fashioned. Yeah, just no, nobody noticed because he was like he was handing out free beers at halftime and whatever. Like, <laughs> sure, he says really racially uncomfortable things about his players, but the ice cream station stays open <laughs> all the way through oh all my God. Yeah, No, you're right, but that's another thing that he did. Is he, he has no chill except open for there. <laughs> You guys are going to get me fired. <laughs> oh, Harrison, you'd do this for free. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true, honestly. I don't know yeah, what else I would do. If you do. love what you're doing, it's not work. <laughs> I don't know that I love it then. Um, but Kuzma is, uh, like, like Hollinger projected him to get, like, six mil. And, like, I think that that's probably underrating. Like, six million? No. Yes. No, American? yeah, six million. Yeah. That's I, yeah. the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean that's it. I don't think that like like I don't think he'd ever agree to six million, but like I don't think that that's that wild of like a prediction of like what he's actually kind of worth in this role. But like he's probably asking for something closer to eight figures, and so like that is going to make this like that's why I don't think that this extension, these extension talks are going to get done. Which is why you have like are hearing all this noise about the Lakers are taking calls on him because it's like. Well, you got to see kind of what you can get for him now, even though you could keep him in restricted free agency. Then he's a little harder to trade because, like, you know, he's more right. expensive at that him. point. It's the equivalent, but like, this is the, you know, Andy and I, I remember having this conversation a million times. Like, the Lakers, regardless of what you think about the Dwight Howard deal, this, uh, you, you, nobody wanted to have to be the guy who had to figure out, do I sign Andrew Bynum to a contract extension? Like that is not a good, there, nothing good comes out of that. And the Lakers recognized it and, and made the move. But I mean, it's not that because Kuz is going to be a much more dependable and healthy player than, than Bynum. One but if help. you're the team that acquires him, I, okay. So if, the, if he's worth 6 million to the Lakers and you trade him for some stuff and you give him a bigger scoring role, he's still not going to be worth 15 or 20 to you. Uh, even yeah. though that, that probably, he probably thinks of himself in that 12 to 15, 12 to 18 range. I, I think probably higher, like based on like this reporting of like, I, I think sizable where we're clearing 12 tweet. million at that point. Yeah. Like his outfits would scream $18 million alone. <laughs> <laughs> Am I an eighteen million dollar year player? I'm just asking questions. Dress for the extension you want. <laughs> just, I'm just asking. It's you know, it's fair to ask. I'm just you know, look, guys. <laughs> Poor yeah, guy. How much do you guys I really, think I'm I, worth? And then just fair, quote tweeting really all do. the highest bids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna put out a poll. What do you think I'm worth? Oh my god. I will follow you if you say if you select D <laughs> max. <laughs> what do you guys think I'm worth? 18 million, 17 million, 19 million, or 20 million a year? Like, <laughs> and then when 17 million wins, he just goes to the Lakers and he's like, hey, like I, I mean the fans are saying. Right. Sources. <laughs> Should LeBron take a pay cut so I can get more? Is what I'm, <laughs> I'm just asking questions. That's all. <laughs> Just asking questions. I just, I mean, I, I do feel bad because it's like, I, I again, I don't think he's a, I think he cares. Like he's not just, you know, he's not said Sabalos. <laughs> it's like the guy does want to yeah. be good. It's just, it, 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 you know, 
But I mean, but ultimately, though, all of this really matters so much. And we're talking about it so much because he is he is on paper the best opportunity the Lakers have to try to create some type of deal. You know, like to he's the sweetener, like unless you're going to throw in Alex Caruso or nope. something like that. I mean, and I don't see the 28 that. pick, maybe, but probably not like. Well, I mean, yeah. look, but honestly, the not 28th. Well, but also the 28th pick. You know, if you were lucky, that guy turns into Kyle Kuzma. Like, well, almost I mean, literally because he was the 27th pick, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, look, yeah. for the, wherever Kuzma's career goes, I mean, we can agree he's going to be in the league another five to ten years minimum. That is a knock it out of the park for the 27th pick. Like, most yeah. 27th picks are not going to have the career Kuzma's going to have. So, I mean, it's a credit to the Lakers and their scouting department and, you know, really earmarking him. But the odds of finding a guy like Kuzma at 28 are really low. So again, unless the Lakers are going to include Caruso or somebody really loved, you know, the nine minutes they saw of Talon Horton Tucker, it's Kuzma. Like he, he Kuzma is ultimately what would get the Lakers some type of impact deal, like him with Danny Green and I don't know maybe Quinn Cook thrown in to balance some numbers. But it, it's Kuzma. So I mean, th this is a really important detail and and something for the lakers to learn like it, it actually really matters what the lakers need to do is approach tillman fertita and say hey that kind of chubby guy who is an analytics darling <laughs> just give us your version of that who happens to be james harden we'll give you that rating of any like playoffs <laughs> yeah Oof, no, I, man that seems think, falling apart <laughs> the, the I would prefer, I think the other thing that I don't think has been brought up nearly often enough is, is the kind of role that both Green and Kuzma played, right? So if you trade for, for DeMar DeRozan, for example, or even Chris Paul or Dennis Schroeder is a little bit, I, I'm, I'm more okay with Schroeder because it would take less to get him. Oladipo is, I, I'm, I'm, I don't really want to touch Oladipo, but like if it is DeRozan, for example, you're sending away Kuzma, who is the only non-LeBron 6'8-ish type defender mm -hmm. on your roster. And you look at the kind of players that you're going to be going up against in the playoffs, right? It's going to be Kawhi. It's going to be Giannis. It's going to be Durant, you know, maybe in the finals as well. And and you need somebody that can throw you can throw there and and those guys actually know they're there. Whereas if it's KCP, like we saw what that looked like when he was trying to guard Kawhi, and it it felt like Kawhi was bullying him. I felt bad for KCP because Kawhi is just too big, too strong, and yeah. didn't really know that he was there. So if you do move a Kuzma, if you do, and 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 let alone if you move Green along with Kuzma, the Lakers have to to, to go out. And replace that six eight, six nine ish type defender that they would be losing there. Yeah, you go after like a Mo Harkless, someone like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. Jeff Green, I think is going to be available. He's always available. He's always like a call away. <laughs> so, is. yeah, I'm convinced Jeff Green plays for thirty six teams a year. Like just it. <laughs> Like Has every, he played for every NBA team at this point? Like, I've, I mean, not the Lakers, I guess, but like, I feel like we're getting close. He's to three every teams NBA team. away from a free latte. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> I because I I don't know how you guys feel, but I am a I am an advocate generally of not running it back exactly the same. You can never bring it back completely. It's hard, especially now, to bring it back exactly yeah. the same as you know when you have a championship team. 
But adding something different, changing something in your arrangement, I think is healthy for a team uh, that that's trying to go back to back. Um, I don't know what though the right changes are to this team because you're right, Anthony. Like the pieces fit together in a pretty specific way last year, and none of them seem irreplaceable. But at the same time, you do need to replace guys if you go in another direction. I mean, like it seems like. You know, Dwight, for example, is somebody who seems, I think, fairly likely to leave. And you don't necessarily, they showed the playoffs, you don't necessarily need Dwight to play big minutes to win. But you do if you kind of want to preserve AD throughout the season and all this stuff, more even this year than last, you do need to replace it with something. And so what is that thing? And you know, how big of a style change, Harrison, do you think you want um, to have to promote because your roster is just a little bit different? It's a lot of subtle questions I think they have to figure out going into the year. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're obviously not going to, if Dwight leaves, you're not going to get the exact same player back because that's just not how it works. Like, they're you guys that play as well as Dwight played, and look, like, you, we can all say he's replaceable, and I think he is, but like, there were two playoff series there where he was like really, really valuable for the team in the role that he was able to bring. And like, that for the minimum, like, that's a really good guy to have. Oh, for like, sure. I think that, uh, and I'm not saying that you're not saying that. Like, I I'm just saying, I, I think the you can still replace him, though, by maybe doubling down on, like, trying to find some overlapping skills, even if it's not the exact same player. Like, uh, a I'm guy like Tristan Thompson that might be available for cheap, or Serge Ibaka, if he wants to come to a place that, like, like where he can oh, try and win. So like, perfect. those guys can bring some of those skills, and maybe Nerland's some Noel. other ones. Yeah, Nerlens Noel. Like, Watch there guy. are plenty of guys that can bring some of the stuff Dwight brought, and then maybe the talent of LeBron and AD allow kind of the benefits that they have to shine more and the drawbacks that they have versus someone like Dwight to kind of be exposed less. Are we positive JaVale isn't opting in? No, I feel like that's a lot of key that he's opting in. Like, why would? Yeah, I, why I, I have genuinely no idea why he wouldn't opt in. I think he's opting in. I'd be right. there. The, the Avery Bradley news, you know, that he just switched agents and him, that yeah. he's debate that he's debating opting out or at least mulling it over. I would be really surprised if if, if he opts out. He must know something the rest of well, us. Well, Harrison, you had an interesting spin on that that you wrote yes. about at I have a screen. I appreciate you reading that. Um, I uh, yeah, I have a theory. I was on this. told like, about it. I didn't actually read it. <laughs> I, I, think, I told him about it. I read it, Harrison. Way yeah, go, I but. don't believe you for a second because I'm not convinced you can read. Um, I, yeah, my theory on this was coming. <laughs> is that Avery Bradley? Like, I, I think I don't think that you change agents and like publicly tell Shams. This is not an anonymous source like thing. This is Bradley told me that he's considering opting out. Like that is a very public shot across the bow of the Lakers. Like, Hey, like if you're thinking I'm just going to opt in so that you can use me a salary ballast in some deal, like you are sadly mistaken and I will leave. And I think that he is basically trying to get some kind of guarantee that he's not going to have to move his family in the middle of a pandemic, uproot himself and not have to come back. If he just opts into this year. I mean, okay, and but the they Lakers just won a championship without him. So, well, plus, also, I mean, can you really make that type of guarantee to? And I, I, I don't mean this. I don't mean this to sound like a jerk. And I really like Avery Bradley, but like, can you really make that type of guarantee to Avery Bradley? Like, I mean, you know, probably not, which may be why he's doing this now and mulling over opting out because it's like, do I really want to opt back in and then potentially end up in Oklahoma well, City or you know wherever know it may I mean, be? Javale knows that too. 
Yeah. I mean, well, I think JaVale just up. knows that he's not going to get anywhere close to what right. he's getting on the open market. And so for him, it's like, all right, if I have to go live in Oklahoma City just, for a year, I don't year, know it is Avery Bradley's going to get more than he's already making. Like, I don't pick – unless he just wants, you know, an extra couple years tacked on, on with yeah. a new contract. Bradley won't either, but I think he'll get closer than JaVale would. Yeah. Was, I mean, J- J- JaVale would lose money, I think, yeah. if he opted. There was also that kind of weird report where he wasn't sure that he would – take the ring if the Lakers offered it to him before they went into remember remember before they went into the that bubble wasn't a report. He, he said that he said that he didn't yeah. know what he would do and like I mean they're planning to offer him but yeah I mean he may not feel like he earned it like who knows like I you know I don't want to speak for him but like there's probably a lot of reasons why you would consider not accepting that like, well I, I just bring that up I just bring that up because like I, I just think it's it's really tough to to find out you know that you're kind of sort of replaceable Right. Like if the very notion that the Lakers could go out and win a championship without him got him to the point where he was like, I'm not sure I would take that ring. And then they do go out and win a championship without him. And now he's saying and 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 and, and the thinking there is like, well, we saw what Rondo was able to do. So I'm sure they're going to carve out a similar role for him. Alex Caruso is going to not demand. He wouldn't demand a larger role, but I think he should have one. Uh, than he had last year and KCP went out and showed that and and I think you can make an argument in terms of free agents right now at, at his position he's probably the most highly touted positional <laughs> shooting guard uh on free agency right now and that's probably Avery Brad- true and Avery for Bradley's the first time probably- since the Lakers gave him 20 million <laughs> yeah I remember <laughs> I was bouncing up down the halls in Las Vegas when that actually happened but like but uh, you know, with with Bradley, I'm sure he's probably looking at the situation and he's saying, "Man, they they really did it." You know, and, I'm looking, and at I was trying right to wonder what's going on. Anthony, I'm looking right now at a list of uh, free agents and uh, projected salaries from Bobby Marks uh, at ESPN, and you know, Demar Derozan, if you know, if he, I guess, if he opted out or whatever, you know, Evan Fournier. But like, as far as just free agents that we know are going to be out there that aren't restricted, Joe Harris would be ahead of uh, KCP. Mm-hmm. But then I think KCP actually would be the best shooting guard on the market that that would be gettable. Like you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a, is a weird one when you're restricted. Like that yeah. that's a sort of a different animal altogether. But is yeah, Harris I mean, not restricted. I thought he was. Uh, I know he's I not. Restricted. He's oh, restricted. okay. All right, that's interesting. You don't um, you don't put restrictions on Joe Harris. <laughs> <laughs> nobody boxes in. You that could try. Guy. Yeah, nobody I mean, puts, Avery, nobody put Harris in a corner. I mean, Avery Bradley could be just wondering what his role is on this team moving forward, and like, okay, if am I signing up for a reduced role that's going to hurt me even more on the open market the following yeah. year? Like, I don't know. Here's the thing, but like, and I and I, I, I it, these are human beings, um, but yeah. it's what does he think his value is around the league? I mean, well, he changed it, agents, so Bradley maybe he didn't like before what he last was hearing. year. I mean, the analytics on Bradley last year aren't good. Yeah, um, but you could just sort of see the tangible and they fit very well, fit very well with the culture. And it, I mean, he was great. and He's a phenomenal guy. But like the analytics on him weren't that good. And he's coming off some of the worst, like three or four seasons of some of the worst numbers an NBA player can have and still be in the NBA. And so I just I wonder what he thinks his value is around the league. I mean, that's why you pay an agent, but 
I, well, sometimes I, I don't see the demand. can indicate that you don't necessarily agree with what you're hearing from your current agent yeah. about what your value is around the league. The other thing, like b before this, like Bradley made these comments to Shams, like the, the human factor that I was thinking about with him was like the reason he opted out of the bubble was because he was worried about his like young son who had had respiratory issues in the past and like, you know, obviously did not want him to contract coronavirus and test that. Like, you know, now they're during a giant nationwide case spike, they're going to be playing this season, not in a bubble. Like I, I was curious if he was even going to play. And so like, I, I mean, I, that probably doesn't factor into the opt in or opt out decision very much. Um, if anything, because that's like a whole separate, probably negotiation of like, how, I think you what opt does your in contract and cover just say you... like, I'm not comfortable playing here. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I wouldn't know exactly how that works, but that's another thing to keep in mind is uh, on the human factor side of things is like, ostensibly, that was the reason why he skipped the bubble. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, so I don't know how all of you felt about the bubble going in. I had my doubts about how, whether or not it would work. And I was a little nervous about it. So I was like, I, I don't blame him for feeling worried about this. Obviously, that looks unfounded now. Right. But this given what we know now, you know, several months later, this looks way less safe than, you know, what we know the bubble ultimately ended up being. You're right. I mean, I wonder if there was a point, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk to Avery about it, but where him or other, like, where you go, yeah, it turns out it could have been safe. Like, I wouldn't have been bringing anything home to my family. Like, is it a month in where you go, I kind of wish I was there. I, I don't know. I mean, and you, you know, you, you have to respect the, the decision like that you make to protect your family. But, I do wonder if there was a point where you where there was some regret. Well, yeah, I know the social issues also played a role in it as well. That he was mm -hmm. he was very conscious of whether or not it was going to be a distraction uh, from 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 the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that stuff. And I think, frankly, I, I'm not of uh, I'm not the kind of person who should speak on whether or not he was right. I, you know, I think I think there's very viable reasons as to like why he had why he might have been right oh, to sure. sit out in that spot. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's neither a criticism nor a second guessing. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's human nature to wonder when you see to Harrison's point, how secure and well it worked. And there wasn't a single positive test. Yeah. It, it really then just turns into a decision of, am I cool with being away from my family that Correct. long? Because I, because even knowing how safe the bubble was, he may have still felt uncomfortable bringing his son with the respiratory issues into the bubble for sure. Or, and also too, I mean, as LeBron talked about and explaining why he didn't bring his kids there when, when his wife ended up uh, joining him, there's really nothing to do there. And, mm -hmm. you know, your kids are going to get bored pretty easily, I guess, unless they're just so little that they don't really even understand anything going on. But I think once you're even like five or six, like that, it sounded like that setup could be super, no, super there's boring. nothing for any of them. And then you have to, you know, like they're, they're kids that are, you know, they're not in school, I guess, because, you know, it's summertime, but it, it it's, it's boring as hell. But like these actually, like, it's kind of a decent seg though into, because they're, it's not going to be a bubble, but it's not going to be normal either. What do you think this season is going to look like? I mean, Anthony, like in terms of structure, in terms of scheduling, in terms of travel, what do you think they're ultimately going to do? Man, I, I have I have no idea. You know, it, it's crazy to to look okay, back Harrison. on. <laughs> yeah, Harrison. Good he talking. Has, he, he has a good. Well, I I, I mean, I, I think there's value in being able to say that I have no idea, right? Like, the, I wish I wish that was the the response to a lot more people. I think a lot more people would get themselves uh, stop themselves from getting in trouble if they just said like I don't I don't know. 
But like, Anthony, the, just ask some questions. You're just asking questions. <laughs> I'm just asking questions. Like, what's it going to look like? But remember when the bubble was getting ready to 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 tip off, right? When we were heading into the bubble, when, when we first heard about the bubble as an idea, the NBA canceled its season or or postponed its season because of one test, right? Rudy Gobert gets a positive test and everything just hits a screeching halt. We passed 150,000 tests today or yesterday, whenever, whenever people are listening to this. And, and like, I, I don't know right what now. it's going to look like. <laughs> just for the record. So you're aware people yeah, are watching live, and listening Anthony. in this very second right now. <laughs> I'm used to saying it. Cause with my show, like I have to like plan ahead for when people are listening well, the next I mean, day. So unfortunately, course, Anthony, course, I, think, I think if you said, if you're listening tomorrow, those numbers might be the same too. I mean, the, the yeah, direction things yeah. seem to be headed. Yeah. They, they could uh, be higher. Probably based on recent trends. Yeah. And so, you know, the fact that the, the NBA is just kind of saying, look, we have to make our money and, and, and they're going to try to plow ahead here. How, you know, we've seen uh, the NFL deal with a lot of this. We saw baseball have their own flare ups. We saw college football has been a freaking disaster to this point. I, I what is it? Five games in the PAC 12 are canceled tomorrow. That's 10 out of 12 teams that aren't able to play. <laughs> and it's the second <laughs> week they've done this. Back to where we've been in business for two weeks. Grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> That's exactly. basically where we are. So I, I, I do think that the NBA, uh, I, I do have to lend them the benefit of the doubt because of how successful the bubble was. But this is a completely different idea of what a season is going to look like. So you know, maybe they pull it off. Maybe they're they're banking on a vaccine coming sometime soon, or or rapid testing the way the Golden State Warriors think that there's going to be rapid testing. Yeah, but that that piece we'll that uh, Ramona Shelburne wrote for ESPN that uh, went up today. People should check it out. What the Warriors are trying to do in terms of creating a uh, setup where they could have the building fifty percent full. Which you know, putting aside the questions of whether they'd even be allowed to do that in California, it's pretty impressive what they're trying to do and and apparently you know the the sci the science people that they've consulted have said like logistically this is going to be difficult to do but as a as a theoretical the way they're trying to do it makes sense so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see if they can actually do it because I mean the truth is this as much as you know if the buildings open up it's about NBA gate money and things like that I mean all all of us are adults and we know what that's about it's also about people's jobs, though, because if you can open up the building, you know, people who actually work as vendors, work inside, you know, these arenas, they, you know, ushers, all of that, like these are their jobs. And, yeah. you know, if the buildings are empty, they they don't work. So, I mean, th there's a lot more to this than just the teams getting paid and the players getting paid in terms of the enormity of what of what they're trying to do right now. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. That noted, uh, the only thing, the only excuse less plausible for something someone said today than Kuzma's, I'm just asking questions, was Joe Lacob's like, you know, I'm just doing this because I, it's nothing, it's not about the money. I just want to help humanity move no, forward. Okay. It's all about the okay, that part. Yeah, I mean, that part, <laughs> that part's bullshit, but I didn't say that. <laughs> that's, that's Joe Lacob's bullshit. That's not what I said. That's Joe Lacob's like, look, I'm just, I just want to help people. Okay. Like, you know, that's why we're going to be giving away these tickets to these games for free. 
free. Um, oh, I swear, I'm just buying Mars just to see what happens. Oh, wait, we're you charging know? for these tickets? I didn't. I didn't know that. I, I thought <laughs> no, we were just getting people in the building. This, this is truly one of those nature, examples where two things can be true at once. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I, like the dystopian nature of this like season was on full display earlier this week. I, I, Jared Dudley was talking on the Lakers Nation podcast, and I had to pull this quote back up just to uh, like you know. Uh, just to like make sure that I had it right. But he said at one point like that the Lakers may need to bring him back because guys are going to miss time throughout the year through resting, through whatever, potentially Corona. It's good to have vets towards the end of the bench that are able to he help out. Potentially Corona as like an aside is like that really just sums up the NBA stance on this yeah, season. I, I do wonder, season. like baseball expanded, had, had a different roster setup. I think football's got a, a different setup of guys, like how they can bring players back and forth. It wouldn't surprise me if ultimately, at the very least, they changed the rules about G League, you know, teams. Well, they're they're and, already talking about that. Right, yeah. Like who you can bring, how many players, because, and, and then actually it, it to some degree makes the 28th pick next week a little bit more, um, a little bit more important, like there, there could be more opening for a for a twenty eighth pick to play on an elite team than there would be in a regular season. But I mean, coronavirus, there will be players who test positive. Other than you know, aside from a fair amount of guys have already, um, which in theory, you know, uh, you know, confers some degree of immunity for at least a, a, a group of players. Um, but guys are going to have to miss time. Like th there will be teams that you see like the Florida Marlins and you, you get six players and you got to find players somewhere else. Like that's going to happen. Um, th there's no way you can get through a season like that without it. Well, the NBA, even heading into the bubble, acknowledged that there might be some guys who, who come up and test positive over the course of that time. Now they got lucky or they got lucky or by great design, they, they didn't have to deal with that. Uh, despite Lou Williams' best efforts, but you know, at, at the at the end of the day, like this is something that I'm sure the NBA, like it's all, it's all about risk assessment, right? Mm -hmm. Just as just as easily as we can say, there is enormous risk in playing a season without, uh, not in a bubble. There's also enormous financial risk, not just to the players, not just to the owners, not to not just to people directly affected by the league. But across the country, we're talking about millions of people that there is immense risk in not playing this season. And I think at the end of the day, call me call me a, a harsh or, or calloused or cynical capitalist, but I, I think but what we, were you say? we know what it, we know what it looks like if they don't play a season. We 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 yeah. don't know what it looks like if they try. This is an interesting. Um, point that somebody was making and I lost it in the chat, but they're talking about Rudy Gobert and like how, you know, he, he got it and showed it wasn't a death sentence and blah, 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 blah. And I get, and all these, things, I, I do think we have to come up with a construction of this country where our, our binary choice isn't death or insignificance. Like there is room in between and yeah, Gobert is actually effect. a really good example of that because he said when they started again, um, Oh, here it is. Yeah. Uh, from Ahmad Yusuf 18, or Ahmed Yusuf, like he said, it was hard for him. His recovery, like, was he didn't feel right for a while. And so, I mean, if the NBA hadn't stopped and will be doing what they'd probably be doing this year, which is just replace Rudy Gobert with someone else and keep going as much as you can, like Gobert might have missed a month, a month and a half, or two months before he was able to to play again because this virus 
which thankfully doesn't kill most people that get it, um, can make people sick to the point where their recovery is very difficult. Yeah, I mean, so my wife's like, sister had my wife's sister got COVID, and you know, a few months after finally being negative, she's still dealing with a lot of serious effects from it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, she's been having seizures at times. She's uh, she's been dealing with like short term memory. I mean, like, there's serious stuff involved with this, and there, yeah, there's it, a lot it, we don't know about the after effects. And, and it's not, it's so, and it's naive to think that it's not going to have an impact on the season. Like it, yeah. it is. It yeah. is just, I, I would like, I, I, I would love to see them try this, uh, this sort of divisional pod thing where essentially the, the bulk of the 72 games or half of them, whatever it would be, would be against, you know, the Kings, Suns, Warriors, Clippers. That's the, the rest. I, I got everyone right. Like and yeah. that's basically your 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 season. You play a little bit against the rest of the West, and you don't see the Eastern Conference at all. I'd be I think that would actually be really cool. Yeah, it it makes for great rivalries, right? Like the more you see a team, the more familiar you get with them, the more you wind up hating them. But that by that last uh, uh, <laughs> that last matchup, that's, well, that's and everything turns into like mini playoff series, and like you really get. Like, I mean, yeah. for geeks like us who really just love watching the game, like seeing how coaches continually adjust against yeah. each other, like stuff like that is really like the final seeing Vogel and Spolstra, you know, two really good coaches making those type of adjustments over a series. I mean, that's really fun. And being able to see that regularly during the regular season, I think would be really cool. And, and we could sell it to the league as like, Hey, you get Clippers Lakers seven times. Like we know you can't get enough of this matchup. Like you get yes. the Clippers don't have to make it out of the second round this time. Like you get it no matter what. Well, and think, what happens, think what happens if uh, the Suns <laughs> yeah. land CP. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that'd be a brutal sketch. Like, you know, honestly, everybody may actually, go take exactly it back. I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> Now I think go about back, it. Go back to the Northwest Northwest? Knicks. Can we combine it just like the whole West Coast and be able to play a few games against the Blazers too? Could, can we yeah, no, maybe the Lakers are, you know, if they're not going to get to play in front of fans anyway, I don't see any reason they can't play their season against the Atlantic Division or like, you know, maybe like just the Knicks. Like they get, for winning the title, they get 20 games against the Knicks next year. That's their like home court advantage. That would create incentives for teams to never tank. Like even, <laughs> even if you're way out, just the opportunity to get into the playoffs in the following year, you get 20 games against the Knicks. That'll keep everybody interested until the very end. That's better than a ring of scheduling generally. Just like sweeteners like that. You spin a wheel, you get some sort of sweetener. Isn't the incentive to or not to tank basically like not having your fans wake up terrified about the idea that your team just traded for Russell Westbrook? Isn't that isn't that enough? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Anthony, because <laughs> I mean I, I've never seen like we live in very fractured times. I'm not sure if anybody's noticed. There was an election that was very polarizing. What? Um huh. Yes, uh, the that libertarian candidate really. <laughs> um, it was Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, blink three times if the Lakers are making a trade. Um, <laughs> do you do you think there's ever been a moment of unity across, at the very least, basketball Twitter, when the report came out that the Knicks <laughs> were interested in Russell Westbrook in terms of everyone at the same time praying. That that would happen, <laughs> like, because I, I don't think there has been a moment like that ever. 
No, the, the funniest part to me was that all the Knicks fans were like, don't you say that Knicks fans are asking for this? Like, we are not asking for this. Like, you are connecting us to this. And, you know, and then, and then you have, like, the 20-follower, like, Knicks avatar people that are like, you know, their avatars, Julius Randle. They're like, get Westbrook in here. We're going to win 40 games with him and Julius. <laughs> they play the same position. Yeah. What <laughs> do I do with this? I mean, it, it makes, I mean, it makes no sense for Westbrook. Like in terms of what he would want at this stage of his career, I mean he he's going to end up signing off. I think on anywhere he ends up going, I would I would think. I mean, just because he se he seems to me like somebody that I would not want to have around if he's really really unhappy. Oh no, but I mean you got to hate where you are to be like Charlotte. Let's do it, <laughs> <laughs> right? But like yeah, exactly. But like from the Knicks perspective, I mean I I saw uh, um, Sean Hyken point this out, and it's it's a uh, it's an interesting way of looking at it. This is one way to make Knicks Nets a thing. Like KD and Russ oh. in New York going at each other their first year, like for both of them, first year actually playing. Like, I mean, because that stupid rivalry doesn't mean anything and nobody cares. <laughs> this is one way to actually make it a thing. And I mean, I could see where the Knicks would just like the idea of having a star like Russ, although ironically the first year might come when they can't have anybody in the building anyway. But like, God, that feels like such purgatory for Russ. Like, I really no, would it's a bad. terrible idea for the Knicks. I mean, for God's sakes. Oh, it's doesn't... an awful idea for them, which means no, Although, I mean, I, mean, I guess on... like if you're willing to absorb Westbrook, it's like whatever I realize the 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 Houston and people are still talking about like, well, what can the what can the Rockets get back? Nothing. You get yeah. nothing back for this. You it's get just not you're not, you're not sending out an asset anymore. with him. Correct. Like, but the, the the funny thing here about about Russ is that there was that piece in the Athletic, right, where he was saying like he demands accountability. He was, he's concerned about the amount of accountability that that isn't there in Houston, uh, specifically with with James Harden. You know where you go and you and and there's a ton of accountability around. It's with the New York Knicks. Yeah, That's James Nolan is known for his culture of holding everyone in that building accountable except himself. <laughs> I forget who is where. Where are they now? Like, who's the coach and what's happening there? Uh, uh, Tibbs, 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 oh, Tibbs and Leon oh, Rose. I completely forgot about that. Oh, when did, I mean that, I realized that didn't happen like six years ago. But doesn't that feel like that happened six years ago? It I mean, is. yeah, kind of. I had to think for a second to remember. I'm like, who is the coach of the Knicks now? Um, you know, I'm, actually, I'm, Russ might be the only guy who might be happy to play the Tibbs like 47 and a half minutes in a game type schedule, right? That's like, just I can more. My stats for how long? <laughs> yeah, I get okay. to get when how did many the Knicks down? officially hire Tom Thibodeau? Was it what before was the, the bubble? Date? What was the date? I think it did happen during the bubble. I, I actually think it I did. I want to say so, June, July 3rd. July 3rd is Anthony's guess. I thought it happened during the bubble. I could be wrong. Andy, I, so what, what do you think? Um, they entered the bubble in mid-July. I'm going to say August 7th. Okay. Oh, did you want a year from me on that one? <laughs> I, I, if you want to throw one out there. Harrison? Uh, I'm going to guess like mid-June, June 15th. The answer is July 30th. That was not oh, that long ago. Man, that was that close. <sighs> That was not that long ago. That's basically July. That's August 1st. It was like, what is that? Like two and a half months ago or something? Like, 
I if it, it, it that might as well have happened in 1814. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, man. I I don't remember anything anymore. Like, <laughs> like I don't know who's coaching anywhere. I forget players like where they are. Like, if you were on one of these teams that didn't make it into the bubble, and you're not one of the keeper potential keeper guys on my fantasy team, I literally have no idea where you play. <laughs> None. <laughs> no, uh, who he play for with Charles Barkley this year is going to be wild. Like, you know, yes, yeah. He may I not going to be Russell Westbrook at this point. Like, yeah. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is going to come up there. Charles is going to be like, who he played for? Th- that's I how mean. they decide where Russell Westbrook is going. It's just whatever team Charles Barkley guesses. <laughs> Barkley just gets for, to declare it. Gets the contract. The, so like, legal figure out the, the legal figure out the cap math. Yeah. Generally the, the, speaking, generally speaking, isn't like who he played for basically just Chuck trying to guess the Orlando Magic roster? Like, isn't that? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Like that or Charlotte's roster. Like it's like all the obscure rosters, like so all the all the Russ teams, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, I yeah, actually world. he's been linked to Charlotte. Um, Mitch Kupchak was asked about it and uh, said yes. that he couldn't said that he couldn't talk about another. <laughs> His response was, "Oh, should we have a hey Mitch guys. off?" Hey guys. Okay, I, I actually have the. Let me pull this up. I believe I have the direct quote. Uh, Russell Westbrook. I can't, a, I can't comment. A good player. Uh, he was drafted teams. originally. No, it, it, it's like Mitch and Pete both can't comment until the trade is done. You know, like that. That's like that's what organizational front offices do. Like I'm reading a quote right now from the Charlotte Observer, uh, Rick Bonnell article. <laughs> okay, speaking speaking generically. Cupcheck didn't sound like <laughs> evergreen <laughs> tweet. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> generically is the speaking most honest way somebody has ever described Mitch Cupcheck speaking. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte Hornets manager, uh, general manager Mitch Cupcheck wouldn't address a, uh, directly address whether he'd be interested in acquiring Russell Westbrook. But speaking generically, Cupcheck didn't sound like trading for a veteran star was likely right now. Does it make sense to add a veteran player, big time veteran player? <laughs> First glance, you might say no. <laughs> I mean, like that. By the way, yeah, that is a really also that is so good. Is that, that a real a, quote? Yes, that is a first real glance, quote. First glance, you might say no. Does it make oh sense to add a big time veteran player? At first <laughs> glance, you might say Man, no. Man, he really has like descended into self parody. Like but, I, I have respect for it. But it is my job to research every opportunity. If it feels like something needs pursuing, I'd pursue it and bring the ownership. That's a damning assessment of your own roster, by the way. That's yeah, Mitch is. basically saying, yeah, this this thing is a bit of a mess. Is is Mitch Kupchak the least likely person on the planet to refer to himself in the third person? He's up there. Mitch yeah, Kupchak maybe accident. is not interested maybe. in making that trade right now. Hey, guys. He's, def- he's definitely I just want to know there, like, what his voicemail thing sounds like. You <laughs> it's a good voicemail. Not a great voicemail. <laughs> Like when you're beat, it's going to be not too long, not too short. <laughs> <laughs> I got this phone. I left this. I created this voicemail message. You can leave a message. I'll, I'll try to get back to you in some amount of time. I'm not really leave sure which. It might be a day. might be a week. Uh, not, nothing lower than 30 seconds. Nothing more than 45. Yeah. I mean, I will say the, the Mitch Cup, the Mitch Cupcheck filibuster, which always began with a history of where the person was drafted the player, and when they and came the, in the, the league. Yes. And the measurements yes. and everything. You yes. have reached Mitch Cupcheck. <laughs> I played at North Carolina. <laughs> I, I was a 6'9 forward. And Good player. Not a great player. <laughs> I, I went wins. to Los Angeles. <laughs> 
won a championship. One of the ways you can get a hold of me is leaving a message right here as a beep. <laughs> you can also call my office and leave a message. Oh, you call back. Me. I don't believe in email. It might be tampering. <laughs> Not active on social media. I'll call back or I can text. Oh, like Mitch, Mitch getting a Twitter account would be a truly like amazing. Like it would make Magic Johnson tweet Johnson. look like yeah. insightful and hot takey. Like I actually Mitch, think I think Mitch actually controls Halsey's NBA account. <laughs> <laughs> that's where he just lets out. That's where he lets it all go. Halsey, yeah, I don't even I don't even like basketball. I don't know what this is. I just don't want to. It's like, don't it's like I'm not going to correct it though. It's you know whoever it is seems like they're having fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Mitch on paper at least does not sound like he thinks Russell Westbrook makes much sense for his roster, which. Is totally correct. This is the uh, downside, guys, of making forty something million dollars a year. You do lose a little bit of, of career flexibility, as it turns out. Oh wow, uh, he's making that much. Whoa! I realized he was making that much money. I just love the idea of like he's like getting free the wall dang. <laughs> <laughs> Still a better deal than Terry Rozier. Oh. I can make the Moskov mistake four times over. But As like the, always, I think I could trade him for four mobs, govs. <laughs> As we've always said, funny Trump's mean. Um, <laughs> he is a great guy. Mitch is he's actually a wonderful, a great wonderful guy. person. Yeah. Um, all right. So, is there anything? Oh no, we don't need Mace. Our Mitch. First of all, Mace. Steve Mason learned his Mitch from us. So that's, yeah, this was this was actually something that the entire seven ten radio station started doing after Brian and I started doing it. Right. Like we like sort of a, we sort of originated Mitch voice. Also, it's the, the radio. Station. You guys can say that they just use pre recordings of you guys when they do it. Like you can just claim no. credit for that. And nobody can prove them. Uh, we we had heard from a few people that Mitch was not a fan of Mitch voice. <laughs> and, <laughs> We we felt bad. I wonder why. <laughs> we felt bad about doing it because, like we said, we and we really mean it. Mitch is a great guy. We both really liked it. We didn't feel bad enough to stop doing it. No, <laughs> I didn't like it most of the time. It just hey guys, hey guys. Uh, but but he didn't like it from no. everything we heard. No, but I don't think Rob liked necessarily all the riffing that that he got off the. Off I mean, his, I can't imagine that Rob Palenka... Rob Palenka stopped about 90% of it this year, which to his... served both him and the Lakers well. What was uh, funny will, was this is the year that hyperbole would have been most warranted, but he really eased off, like, the, like finally, because he was getting made fun of so much. I, I can't imagine that when we... When he got hired, like, he didn't do an interview for, like, it seemed like, like several months, or at least when it, like, leaked out that he was getting hired. It was a while, so Anthony and I, I remember, on Locked on Lakers developed the character of nihilistic Rob Polinka, which was just me <laughs> saying like really really nihilistic things in like a Chris Traeger voice from Parks and Rec and like so he brought like so what I'm saying is you guys probably did not do the most Los An offensive Los Angeles area GM impersonation That's good, nothing though. I do literally matters <laughs> nothing at all <laughs> those men are nihilists Donnie uh, that's funny all right, that's is really there anything we can cover that you guys want to get to real quick before we're done here I mean we've already kept you over I just hope we keep Westbrook on the rust belt. That's that's all I'm hoping for. You know, maybe they should trade him for Chris Paul. Like, I, I don't know. It seems like two teams with bad contracts they don't want, they could try and get out of it. Like, <laughs> can we can we also like can we all come into agreement that the funniest thing to happen is is Paul George for Russell Westbrook? Like that's the yes, funniest absolutely. outcome. By far the funniest outcome. That would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be amazing. 
And then if it if it doesn't work out and Kawhi leaves, the the Clippers end up with two more years of Russell Westbrook oh and no God. assets for like the next ten years. Anthony, if they do that deal, like we're gonna have to record LMFAO Clippers two on Locked On Lakers, <laughs> like just the sequel to the original podcast with Pete. To this day, like far and away, the most popular thing I have ever done was just us laughing at the Clippers, and I don't I don't think that would touch as 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 funny a moment as as them trading for Russ would be like that's not yeah, even probably, close. no absolutely not yeah that would and then be like Lawrence Frank will inexplicably win executive of the year again <laughs> <laughs> no salt there wow nope. <laughs> he is Nihilus Propolinka like what did you expect <laughs> no he he did a great job giving up more first rounders for Marcus Morris and Paul George than uh Rob did for AD like it was it was a masterclass in asset management <laughs> at the fact time, that the other guy got second well, for the trade that you play, won the award you have to add in fairness to though you do have to add it anytime you talk about the Paul George trade you're you're essentially it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard okay I understand that but that's not as funny so <laughs> <laughs> Funny Trump accurate. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Jokes over facts all day. All right. No. He is the host of um the Locked On Lakers podcast, which is uh comes out four times a day. It's like the uh the old news <laughs> at the morning. David edition, Locke kicks the door down. Edition, the afternoon edition and the evening edition. Um it's just a constant, it's basically Anthony Irwin on a live stream. Um <laughs> That's, that's three or four times a day. And then, of course, the editor-in-chief over there at Silver Screening Roll, Harrison Fagan. Guys, this was fun. Yeah, this, this do was this a again. lot of fun, guys. Yeah, anytime. This, this was an absolute blast. Yeah, we appreciate it, uh, especially, Anthony. You're staying up a little bit later in Texas. So very, very much appreciated from both of you guys. Thank um, you. Next week, we got some fun stuff. Chris Harris is going to join us. Uh, there's a, a second football team, we've been told, in Los Angeles. <laughs> We're going to confirm that before Monday's yeah, show. Team? But Chris Harris apparently covers them. Um, so we'll talk about that. Tuesday is Travis Rogers uh, from 710 ESPN. Wednesday is draft night. We're going to have a Lando Lakers live crossover thing. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Thursday, Lindsay Theory. And Friday is Mo Deal from uh, all over the place, Bleacher Report and The Athletic. So um, a lot next week. A lot. Real quick, Sector. Uh, Sector's asking you, Anthony, is Avery asleep right now? I have no idea. I'm going to find out as soon as I exit this room. That's and... rock solid parenting right there. <laughs> it's like one in the morning in Texas. I don't yeah, know if my daughter. I don't. It doesn't, here's the deal. Harrison, you don't know. What matters is, are they where you left them? I'm assuming he doesn't know that either. If he doesn't know I, if she's asleep or not. Like, Anthony's only a bad father if Avery is not where Avery is supposed <laughs> to be. Avery's down the like the right. we're, becomes. we're okay okay we're, all right we're good you're solid Big brother yeah. Ooh. yeah this would have been an all-time moment if she was like up shaking her crib thing when you like <laughs> held that up no, what she does the this thing where like if she gets there, if she gets it, angry it, enough when she's awake she'll like actually chew on her crib so <laughs> like it, it, there was a chance that we would have like gone to that video and she just been like her first word was uh was attica <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the really the great moment in, in late night happy hour would have been if the baby wasn't there and, and anthony just runs out of like, the room i gotta go <laughs> so um all right guys we'll do this again uh, another time thank you very much for uh for sticking around a little longer and we'll see everybody monday have a great weekend don't you need a lot